This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to what we call the Ball on Blast Podcast. And as always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, joined with my guy, Andrew Webster Webby. What is good, my dude? Man, Shelly, we had a good time this weekend, let me tell you. Yeah. A little good times had by you and I in Toronto. It was good stuff. Sorry, but listen, we had to we had to postpone last week's podcast. Had a birthday and a bachelor party and we we got it done right. We had the we had some boys up from Philadelphia in the in the in the 416. We we made it happen. Good times had by all, for sure. How would be? Oh, man, absolutely. Let, <laughs> let me tell you. We were and we were staying right at like we had a Airbnb right at College and Bathurst. Yeah. College in Palmerston. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that the, the talent in Toronto is is one thing that I do miss. I will say that. Shout out to Toronto in the summertime. You are a beautiful Ooh. place. You are a beautiful place at all times, Toronto. But Toronto in the summer. Let's go. Um, it's a, di- a different story. A completely And oh yeah, we've got a new what well, we've got a NBA champion. Oh. Not a new NBA champion, I guess, <laughs> but an NBA champion. Oh yeah, the Warriors won again. I guess that's where we should start this time around, yeah. right? The the Golden State Warriors won another NBA championship and they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers after blowing them out in game 4 and the Warriors won back-to-back titles. Kevin Durant, back-to-back finals MVP. And let's start here, Webby. What did you make of the NBA Finals? Just just as a whole, the Warriors sweep. What did you make of the NBA Finals? Well, I thought that after what happened in Game 1 with JR and Ty Lue not calling time out there, I really think that that kind of sealed the fate of Cleveland in the series. I thought Game 3 was awesome. Yeah. Game three was a great game, like one an all-timer, really, especially for Duran heads out there. He was just an absolute murderer. <laughs> um, and you know what? Game four was a little let down. Uh, of course, you never like to see sweeps. Like, sweeps are pretty boring. But I thought as far as sweeps go in a championship series, this was entertaining. But uh, listen, we kind of knew this is how it was going to happen. Um, Golden State is built to win. There's just too many options. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have, you know, w- if you take out one or two of what they can throw at you. It's just they just keep coming in waves. And it's like that third quarter thing was crazy with them throughout the whole postseason. It, it was kind of a weird series, right? Because it was a sweep. But on the other hand, what, three of the four games were pretty close, right? Like, yeah, two of those, like... Obviously, game two and four kind of got away from the Cavs. Game four, I mean, it didn't even look like they showed up for game four. But three of those games were pretty entertaining, especially, as you said, games one and three were really, really good. And I think the sweep is kind of misleading, especially uh, when you when you dig a little deeper into what you just said about game one and how devastating that game one loss was for the Cavs. They couldn't really, it didn't look like they mentally rebounded, but more importantly, LeBron, who obviously is their, their engine and then some, right? Uh, It didn't look like he recovered from that game one loss at all. And I will say too, Webby, that video of LeBron James, when he's on the bench and he finds out that they had timeouts left and Ty Lue or JR 
didn't call a timeout. Like I felt that for LeBron. I compared it to you yeah. know that that scene in The Simpsons where uh, Ralph Wiggins you can see his heart break. Yes, and Bart's like yeah. fast forwarding it and, and or playing it in slow mo, and he's like, you can see the moment right here where his heart breaks. It was like <laughs> you could see the same thing with LeBron, except. You could see the moment right here where LeBron's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. let's see. Now, I got to disagree with you a bit. I think that the the series was befitting a sweep. Ooh, OK. I mean, just because, like I say, that the, the Warriors team, they, they really hit their stride all season long. We were asking ourselves, you know, is this team taking pl- uh, games off? Yes. Do they really have it within themselves to make this sustained success last we thought they were getting bored we had thought well you thought that maybe steve kerr had lost the locker room there are there i question just whether steve kerr's around this this, a good coach so but the thing is is that they really peaked when it mattered most and they seem to really start clicking on all cylinders but by when steph curry got back in the postseason Mm -hmm. Yeah, and once that once once he came back, then that that team is far too tough to take down. It's true. Your your margin of error against a team like the Golden State Warriors it's so small because if if you slow down, which game was it that uh, Steph, it was Game Three where Steph and uh, Clay Thompson both had horrible shooting nights, right? Right. But Kevin Durant drops what forty in that game, forty one yeah. or whatever it was, and you just. How does any team overcome that, right? You think this team has four all-stars. Draymond is more of a defensive guy, so you're not really worried about him on the offensive end, right? But but also what they can do with bringing, like, I thought it was a great move to start JaVale McGee. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he put in great minutes, and then when Iggy got back too, yeah. and then it's just like, eh, then they can start putting out any lineup there against whatever you want to put out there. It's so tough. And they're going to exploit your weakness. It's so tough against Golden State because, I mean, you think, hey, if we can slow down one of the three guys between KD, Steph, and Klay Thompson, hey, we might have a chance. And then you slow down both of those guys or two of the three, and KD just goes off, especially that clincher where he just hits a oh. deep dagger three. Oh, and then the celebration afterwards, too, of just like turning around and staring at the crowd. That was Gangster. It it was. It was a big time move. And it was funny because I got to give credit to Colin Coward for this because the endless debate. Right. And it sounds like I, I feel like you, you heard the, the clips from both KD and LeBron throughout this series as this debate about who's the best player in the NBA right now continues. And I, I feel like both of them are trying to position themselves. You heard little snipes from both both sides. Right. Where Durant's talking right. about, oh, it's easy to be the best player on a team that's not as good as opposed to being the best player on a team with a bunch of all-stars. You know, you you see them kind of taking swipes at each other, but I think that Colin Coward made the best point, and I'm going to give him credit for this because I thought it was dope. He said that Game 3 performance that everyone was saying was, oh, KD's best performance of his career probably. I think he had like 41, 7, and 6 or something like that, right? Yeah, he's... His shooting percentage was off the chain. It was crazy. It was a dumb game. But that stat line was a stat line LeBron pretty much put up all the way to the NBA Finals. You know what I mean? Like LeBron had to to, do that night after night after night. And I don't know if KD can do that, man. Being able to put up those numbers, though, too, with two of the 
best shooters that mm-hmm. the game's ever seen. No, for sure. Two guys who can get their shot whenever to still be able to put up 40 on that kind of shooting performance yourself. Yeah. Is, is unbelievable. Where do you think Cleveland would be if you swapped out LeBron James for Kevin Durant? How far do you think Cleveland makes it? To the finals. You still think they make the finals, eh? I don't think, think so. Of who, think of who Cleveland went through to get there. I don't even think that's what it's about. I think we saw, especially, like, we'll remove the Raptors out of this conversation for a bit, but I think we saw that against the Pacers and against Boston, what LeBron James had to do, not only to score 40 a night, essentially, but to also create plays for all of these guys, right? And I don't know if Kevin Durant is that same kind of playmaker, if he has that same mentality of LeBron to keep feeding Jeff Green, to keep feeding Kevin Love, to keep feeding these guys to get them going and not just resort to, okay, well, I'm KD, I can iso ball, which is what we see him resort to with Golden State, which they kind of get mad at him for at certain times, right? So maybe not. Maybe he wouldn't be facilitating Jeff Green and Kevin Love, but... I promise you that if he was on this Cleveland team, mm-hmm. he'd be taking more shots than LeBron was. That's true. And he'd, and he'd be scoring more points than LeBron did. It's interesting. I mean, and it's one of those questions we obviously don't have an answer to, but I think it's still something that's super interesting and super fun to talk about, right, for yeah. basketball The other thing, fans. too, is that if Cleveland was on that Cavs team, they wouldn't be set up the way they were with LeBron. Also true. That is definitely true. You know? Uh, the, the... But if you were to swap them one and one, I mean, like – the Warriors probably wouldn't have lost a game all year with LeBron on their team. Yeah. You know, they would have gone 86 and 0 <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, but sticking with this kind of KD versus LeBron and them both trying to shift the narrative, which I think is a LeBron thing that other players are starting to fit into, led by KD, right? Where they they realize that they can control so much of the narrative that the media talks about. And with that said, the master of this, again, is LeBron James. What did you make of him showing up after game four with the cast on his with, hand? With the hand? Well, you know, a little bit of a gamesmanship, you know? Mm-hmm. A little, like, what I like, especially with LeBron and this Warriors, is how much they don't like each other. <laughs> like, LeBron, we could sit, I mean, I know that you and I, we both don't like the Warriors. Yeah. We don't want to see them win again. Yep. But you know who hates the Warriors more than we do, more than other sports writers, more than other fans who don't like the Warriors? LeBron James fucking hates the Warriors. <laughs> thinks they're corny, thinks that they were set up in a way that's, well, you know, Well, they out not LeBron unfair, LeBron, but, though, no? Exactly. They out my well, I wouldn't say they out LeBron LeBron, but they out heat. They out Miami heated the heat, you know? <laughs> okay. They went, Oh, you're gonna have three stars together? Here's four stars yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So they they kind of used what LeBron had put out there already against LeBron, and I'm sure that just drives James nuts. Yeah. It's it's super crazy and obviously like to me, the whole thing with LeBron's hands, Webby. So do I, be, I mean, you you saw that his hand was swollen, right? Like, his hand was definitely not 100%. You could see in photos For that sure. they had his hand was swollen. Self-inflicted. He said he punched a whiteboard after game one. And I can't really blame him for having that reaction no. with how that I'm went. surprised that he didn't break it on J.R. Smith's face. <laughs> right? Um, uh, yeah, would have definitely thrown a little more than soup at J.R. Smith after that game, right? But 
if you're LeBron James, your hand is hurt, and you kind of want that narrative out there. I think he overplayed. I don't, wow, bad pun, terrible pun, and I almost got, <laughs> he overplayed his hand, which is not what I meant to say, and it was coming out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so terrible, and I did not mean to do that. But I think he went a little too far in trying to do this narrative thing by coming out with the cast on his hand, right? Because, like, come on, man. You could have waited, like, 10 minutes. A little minutes. extra. A little extra. Yeah, you could have waited, like, you. everyone knows you could have gotten that cast put on after your press, your post-game press conference, right? Especially because you're at home in Cleveland. You don't got to rush to get a flight. You don't got to rush, like, it was just kind of weak on my on my end, if I, if I think about it from... From like, why would you do that type of thing? But right, I get that you want to get the storyline out there, right? Because again, you're trying to frame this narrative like, yeah, they beat me, but my team wasn't nearly that as good as theirs, and I was hurt the last three games. See, that was the thing. Like for me, he didn't even need to make that about his hand. Exactly. Listen, we all saw game one, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we all know. We all know what happened. All yeah. right. No one's going to blame you for losing this finals on, like, you didn't show up. It's like, LeBron, you don't have to do this to it, to yourself. You know what, too? That that also shows me, because you know he talks about how he doesn't watch, uh, like, he's not on social media, right? Which I don't yeah, think is what true. What is Zero Dark Thirty? Yeah, I don't think it's true. But he also, like, they talk about how much does he watch SportsCenter, the Skip Baylesses, and all that stuff, right? And that lets me know that I, I really think he does, because... To what you just said, I would say the majority of people don't think that LeBron needed to make any other excuses. Nobody is blaming him for losing this NBA Finals to the Golden State Warriors. But in my mind, I feel like he sees, whether it's Twitter or whether it's Skip or whether it's whoever, he still sees some of this negativity where people are like, oh, now you're three and six in the Finals and they're, you're never better than Michael Jordan. Forget that. And he sees that. And so he's coming up with ways in his mind to add another argument, throw another log in the fire for his, you know, defense, so to speak. No? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Super crazy. But here's, but here's what's going to happen with LeBron is that as he enters this now fourth stage of his career, <laughs> I, like, I, I think that rings are going to be on his mind. That's all that's on his mind. Yeah. 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 And, and to use this like later stage of his career, this like twilight of his career, to take that finals record that he has, which is now what three and five, uh, three and six, three and six, three lost, and six. Yeah, well, the Warriors have three titles, right? They beat the Cavs right. three times. He I'm lost twice so. in Miami and once before he got to Miami. So yeah, right. He's got yeah eight straight and the one before mm -hmm. that they got swept by the Spurs, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah, so that's nine. So I think that this later stage, later stages of his career uh, are, are going to be, like, based mainly on doing everything he can to get a chip. And that's why I think that you've started to hear the rumors about about Boston. Hmm. And because I, I think that, like, as you look at the teams that he was talking about, where everybody has him kind of linked to, the, the L.A., the Houston, and, and Philly. Yeah. It's like those are all really good situations for him, no doubt, for one reason or another. But you know what all those three teams don't necessarily have is a straight path to the NBA Finals. It's true. But if you if you look at what Boston's putting out there and what they did this year without their two best players mm -hmm. and getting one game away from the NBA Finals, 
It's like, why wouldn't he think about hitching his wagon onto the Celtics train just so he can get back to the finals and give himself another really good shot at winning a chip? It's it's interesting, right? Because you we're shifting gears here, obviously, to where's LeBron's next next encounter going to be. And to me, I think it's L.A., but I think it's L.A. based on if they can figure out a way to get both Paul George and um, Kawhi Leonard. If they can figure out a way to do that, I think he he's in L.A. because, you know, I think the, the same thing that makes Boston uh, a, a good destination in terms of being a historical fl- franchise, like a legacy-building right. type franchise, is you have that with the Lakers. You have Mike, or Magic Johnson there that you know understands, at least from a star player's perspective, what you need around you to win and succeed, right? And put you in right. a position to succeed. So the Boston thing does make sense it, for, for that whole aspect. But I think I do agree with, or sorry, I do buy into when LeBron says he's thinking a lot about his family and what's best for his family as well. Because he has kids. Uh, I think his oldest kid is like turning 14 soon, heading into high school. And I think they have a say, right, in terms of where they want to live. And his family, and this is a part that people keep forgetting. He already, the one time I heard him candidly speak about his relationship with Cleveland and Dan Gilbert and the move leaving uh, Miami to come back to Cleveland, the only time I heard him candidly really speak about that was in that barbershop segment they did for his website, The Uninterrupted, right? Yeah. And he said that nobody really wanted to leave Miami. He said his family did not want to go. His wife, his mom, none of them wanted to leave Miami and come back to Cleveland, right? And so when you hear that, it tells me that, you know, there's lots to like about Miami, right? But one thing would be the lifestyle, I'd assume, the weather. And what else kind of links to that? LA, no? And they already have a home there. I just think when you start adding in all these other cities and you start asking like his family, where do they want to live? It's like, well, do you want a pool in the backyard or do you want to freeze in Boston when you could just freeze in Cleveland? Do you know, like, I think those things will matter a little bit more. And so where the Boston and Houston's and, you know, some of these other places might have been a thing beforehand, like before pre-kids or pre-having this family. Now I think some of those teams might get X'd out just because of that, no? I see what you're saying, and, and I completely understand LeBron's thing about, you know, obviously the family's going to be a big choice in where he goes. But here's the thing. It's like the, his family can still live in L.A. True. Like you say, he has two homes there. It's not like we're living back in the 60s or 70s where it takes so long to get back to your family or (laughs) to fly cross country. He's LeBron James. Yeah. He's an international superstar. He's got more money than anyone will know what to do with, Mm -hmm. you know. But I – he might say that, listen, you know, family is the number one most important thing, and that's completely fair. But you know what I think is more important than that? I think it's LeBron's legacy. Yeah. And I don't think that that's something that he's – like, listen, I understand the L.A. thing, but getting Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James on your team, that's no easy task. Well, And sure, it's something that L.A. can do. They've shown that they've been able to swing these deals for, uh, uh, like, collections of players. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that path back to the finals from L.A. is easy whatsoever. 
That is definitely true, right? And I think, you know, the you're taking a huge risk by going to the West because now you have to try to guarantee the fact that you can, you know, beat Golden State and not even in the finals. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a risk yeah. for LeBron. That streak, it might not matter that much to him in the sense that you keep going to the finals and losing, but I still think it's a pretty good chip to have in your resume that you've made all these finals in a row. And now to make a big move, go to another team, and then not even make the finals? I don't know. That's a tough one, man. That's a, that's a tough one. The one thing I, I will say, though, Webby, how excited are you for the next three weeks of, not even two weeks, of where's LeBron going to go? Because every rumor <laughs> is going to gain traction. Every tweet, every whatever. You could throw anything right now. You could say, hey, I saw a moving truck. Or hey, you know, no, I was at the baker no, no, no. and the and you know what I mean. The like, best was did you read anything. the article? Did you read the article on Deadspin today about Earl Boykins? No, Earl Boykins. So what? Earl Bo- Earl Boykins was on a radio show. Okay, and he said that LeBron. He said LeBron's definitely not going to the Knicks. Okay, and, and about forty percent chance he is going to Denver. What? Hold on, wait, what? Why? Why is he going to Denver? Hold on, what? Earl Boykins (laughs) said that LeBron is seriously considering going to play for the Denver Nuggets. Hold on. I'm listening to you right now, but I'm like, no, I have to find this. Because this makes no sense. All right, all right. But why would he be going to to Denver? Like, that makes no sense. Unless he has a bunch of, like, money tied in to, like, the weed industry in Colorado or something. Again, not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm just saying. I got the okay. article here. So he says, uh, numerous theories, whatever. Earl Boykins <laughs> believes the Knicks have zero chance. He said, I have insider information. He will never, ever play for the New York Knicks. Okay, He's going to look next at Denver. One down. Yeah. The Nuggets have the young pieces that LeBron wants around him. They do. <laughs> what? If they because, sign, hold on. If they sign Jokic, he's going to talk to the Tim Connolly, and he's going to say, "If I sign here, what moves are you going to make? What's going to be left if I decide to sign here?" The Nuggets have the young players that LeBron wants around them. They do. I love it. Come on, man. I mean, we've heard crazier things. I, I, we've we've heard crazier things. I mean, if if we go back to, if we go back, right, Webby? If we go back to Miami, and when he went mm-hmm. to Miami. We thought at the time that was crazy as well. Yeah. See, okay, here's one of the things. The Miami thing I called. I called Miami from the beginning. A lot of people, and even Vegas, had the odds at, what was it? It was staying in Cleveland or going to Chicago, right? Those were the two favorites. Mm-hmm. And there was everybody, but Miami was that dark horse. Now, what's your dark horse here? It's not Denver. <laughs> I'm telling you that. It's not Denver. Like, what is he talking? I'm reading another quote here. It says, if they sign Jokic, it goes up to 35 to 40%. Yo, get out of here. That's what I mean. You could just We could just throw out anything right now. Any team. I could be like, I, hey, I saw, you know what I'm reporting I, today, Webby? The fact that yeah. the Raptors got Nick Nurse to be their head coach moved their chances up from 5% to 8% that the Raptors can land LeBron James. You you laugh, but I saw the headline on Twitter. Stop it! <laughs> I saw that. I saw the headline. Why why the Raptors are a dark horse to sign LeBron? 
well, who was it? Chris Haynes threw that out a couple weeks ago. And that's what I mean, like the next two weeks. And if I go back to 2010, I'm pretty sure this was a moment that made me uh, sign up for Twitter. I'd avoided what? signing up for Twitter. And then when the decision was coming up, I just needed every single piece of gossip and rumor and everything. Yeah. And th that's what made me sign up for Twitter. It was a lead up to LeBron James's decision. And I've been in love with Twitter ever since. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was love at first tweet. Oh man, this is now, crazy. So, man. so I mean, what is your what's your dark horse team? What's the one team that's kind of been mentioned out there that you know not a lot of people are giving a lot? Is is it Boston? Is it? I mean, my Philly's dark not horse, even a dark horse right now. It's like that's one of the three teams people are saying. Just like they thought LeBron, it was the Knicks, it was staying in Cleveland, it was Chicago. What's the one? What's your Miami Heat for this time around? All right, so who's my dark horse, Webby? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I, I don't really have like a team that LeBron is going to per se, but I will say that my dark horse scenario, and maybe this is more so wishful thinking, is that Dan Gilbert sells the team to LeBron and friends. So whatever the NBA rules are, yeah, LeBron probably can't own the team and and play on the team, but whatever. You get LeBron's friends to buy the team. I'm sure LeBron could raise the money to figure it out. But bottom line is he stays right. in Cleveland. And the reason I bring this up, I saw these numbers from Forbes, okay? It says that the Cavs franchise value with LeBron was $476 million in 2009-2010. Without LeBron, the value of their franchise went down 25%. Jeez. Right? Like, that is crazy. Without LeBron, the value of their franchise went down 25% and over $100 million. Like, that is crazy when you think of that, right? So, is it that far off to think that if I'm Dan Gilbert, should I sell the team knowing that the value of the franchise will go up just off the nature of any NBA franchise is worth a lot of money? But the value, like the value of the Cavs, isn't going to get higher than it will be with LeBron James. So do you just get out now? If you're Gilbert and 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 sell the LeBron's team or kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge deal that LeBron gets a stake of the team when he's done. No, no, no. Gilbert sells the team just completely, and when he sells it, though, he's selling it and saying, "Listen." He's out completely. Like he goes off, takes the money and runs, but LeBron and his people own the team. LeBron ends up staying and running the team and is now owner or the shadow owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, the problem with that is that you still have to retool the roster. It doesn't matter who the owner is. Your salary cap's still going to be where it is and the Cavs are still going to be under it. Or, I mean, right at it with a pretty crappy team as we just saw and while like lebron's legacy of owning a team kind of being shadow owner or even outright owner of a team that he's playing for is amazing uh, again it doesn't do anything to help with that finals record <laughs> no but he he can i mean i still think that lebron you're still talking about you're in the east so you have a better chance of making it to the finals right i think that's a thing um I think there are moves he can make. There are trades you can make. You have the chip that what's their pick in the draft? It's like the ninth pick or something. Yeah. Right. Eight or nine. Yeah. You have that. That's a thing you can use. You should be able that to use. No. Um, 
I just think that if you're LeBron James at, at a certain point, it's an interesting thing. You 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 really leave your legacy to Cleveland Cavaliers and staying with Cleveland. I just think it's, it'd be super interesting for that to to happen. No, it, it, that is a good one, absolutely. But again, like I don't know if staying in Cleveland. I think that your situation of uh, of Gilbert selling the team to a group that has LeBron in it is very interesting. But I don't think that staying in Cleveland is much of a dark horse. Oh, well, I guess the dark horse part of it is Dan Gilbert. <laughs> Dan Gilbert exactly. selling the team to LeBron. That was my outside-the-box thinking there for you, Webby. I got you. <laughs> Good stuff, though, man. I mean, what else do you think here in terms of – do you find it funny at all that we've been talking way more about what's LeBron going to do more so than the Golden State Warriors winning back-to-back championships in three yeah. of the last four championships. Yeah, and being like basically the the first dynasty since the Bulls, I guess. I mean, I, I guess the Lakers in the 2000s, they had a good run, but not nearly as dominant as this. But all we can talk about is where one player is going to end up. That's how important LeBron James is to the league. Well, three and four years will do that, right? Three championships in four years. If you win three championships in four years, most of the talk should be centered around you and what you're doing with your team, no? For sure. (laughs) It's so crazy. Did you catch any of the Warriors parade at all? Uh, You know what? I've seen like two Warriors parades now while I was watching at Sportsnet, but I missed it. But it seems like I missed something crazy. Well, there are a couple funny things. I mean, I guess Jordan Bell is probably the MVP as he went into the crowd and someone gave him a bottle of Henny and he started taking chugs from the bottle of Henny. That's pretty funny. Uh, to, to me, though, the highlight was Draymond Green. And Draymond Green revealed, and this is the beauty of the internet, Draymond Green revealed this, this moment happening after the NBA Finals. And then mm-hmm. maybe, I don't even know how long it was. I want to say a half hour later, the video surfaced on Twitter. So he said after the NBA Finals, he starts off by saying one of them guys on the Cavs, then says Tristan, right? But he's like, one of them guys on the Cavs tried to come talk to me. And I was like, yo, Tristan, we ain't cut the same, man. We ain't from the same cloth. And I was like, whoa. I was like, that is amazing. And then someone found the video and posted the video <laughs> online of Tristan trying to dap up Draymond after the game. And he was like... And he just, yeah. like, he brushed him. You want about that life? It's amazing. It's amazing. Shout out to Draymond. And he had a pretty dope t-shirt of the... Bringing the Arthur um, meme thing full circle. The Arthur meme fist. And then it obviously had the... Uh, <laughs> it had the uh, three rings on it, which was kind of funny. Shout out to Draymond for that. It was a good call. Solid call. But how long can the Warriors keep this going for? Well, see, it's interesting because it's already the one thing that I did read about that parade is that some of these things about keeping the team together, it's already starting to creep in. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw a little earlier this week, Draymond said that he wants a max contract next year. Yep. Uh, You know, Durant's a free agent says that he's going to re-sign with, with Golden State, but I think he'd be foolish not not to test the open waters. It's, it's, it's like you've, you've reached the top of the mountain now, like you said, three times in the last four years. It's now like these guys are going to start saying, 
you know, when's my turn to, you know, make some some wealthy bank here? Yeah, here's the thing, right? Like, Steph already has a super max. Draymond says he's not going to re-sign this offseason because he wants to sign a super max next year. KD's already been taking the discounts. Clay says he'll take the discount. But again, how long is that going to last, right? Those KD quotes that he had where he's talking about LeBron, to me, it kind of was not shade at Steph Curry, but for Durant to say, hey, well, I'm the best player on this team, or it's it's way harder to be the best player on a team full of all-stars. Like, we might know that Durant is the best player on the Warriors, but how does Steph feel about KD saying that? Do you know what I mean? Does he feel some type of way about it? I don't know. Just asking the yeah. question, but at a certain point, do those things start to surface? Whose team is it? Like, or like, just plain and simple, do they get bored? Because they were bored during the regular season. Yeah, absolutely, and it affected the their play. Yeah, definitely did. But it seemed like when the chips were down, man, they really rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. But that's what great players do. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally understand. And you know, hey, I guess we did our little two second dip back to the Warriors for a second, but. Let's kind of go back to LeBron, and I'll say this much. You're Magic Johnson. You're plotting and scheming to get LeBron, and then Lonzo Ball drops a diss track oh. against Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> what are you thinking if you're Magic trying to recruit LeBron and you see that? You can't get these guys out of town fast enough. <laughs> I mean, like, but this is my thing about the Lakers. It's like, man, I, I – I really came around on Lonzo towards the end of the year. I really thought that he started to play a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I really think that, that Kuzma's a talented, really good NBA player. Brandon Ingram's awesome. We saw, we even saw my boy uh, Randall turn it on there, too, in the second half. Definitely. I think they have a really good young team that could do a lot without totally gutting it to get LeBron and Kawhi or LeBron and Paul George. Mm-hmm. But it, even if you did want to keep some of those kids – and bring in a LeBron, this does not help, man. <laughs> I understand these guys are kids, and listen, that for me, what they were doing was really funny. Hell yeah. I think that's pretty jokes, and like it's obviously lighthearted. They obviously like each other, and they're not mad at each other, but boy, you want to talk about, you got to know what you're doing in the situation around you at some point, right? Well, here's the thing too, right? Because I think you're right. You brought up a good point in the sense that I think people did blow it out of proportion because there were people questioning whether or not it was a serious quote unquote beef, <laughs> right? And you had people trying to legitimize it when obviously that's silly. And I don't think that LeBron thought it was true or not, but I just feel like you can't risk it. Like if you're trying to get LeBron James on your team, you can't be doing anything that he might be like, okay, that's super lame. Who are these dudes? I'm not trying to run with these dudes. Like, these guys are kids. I got two kids at home. I'm trying to win yeah, championships. I don't need any more right? of that. And not only that, risk but it. now, if you're looking at the Lakers over the last couple of years, you're looking at them not for what they've done on the court, but the biggest stories about the Lakers the last few years have been problems off the court when it comes to Nick Young and, and D'Angelo <laughs> Russell yeah. and now Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. And then you add on uh, – uh, our boy, uh, what's Lonzo's dad's name? LeVar, man. And then you add on LeVar on top. Why, if you're LeBron, you got to be like, why am I going to go there to deal with all that headache? 
Yeah, I really wonder if because remember when the Lakers played the Cavs earlier this year, and after LeBron took time to make sure we saw him talk to Lonzo and give yeah. him advice or whatever, we'll never know what he said. But in this instance where LeBron is obviously linked to the Lakers, I wonder if he would go there with Lonzo Ball, or if in his mind he's like, "I'm only coming here if Levar Ball is like, you know." He chills. On the other side of the country. No, no, no. He either chills or we're trading Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if those things are, are – if that's an actual thing or if LeBron, you know, doesn't worry about that because he's like, whatever. Everything, when I show up, everyone else will fall in line and this is what it is. You know, I wonder what his mindset is. If you were in LeBron's shoes, would you want any part of this Lonzo Ball circus? Although I will say their music video was very funny. I, I haven't seen the music video. i got to look it up. <laughs> um, no, no, I wouldn't if I was LeBron. Um, but I think the, the the thing is, if he does go to L.A., I don't know how many of those young players they keep. True, true. I think you'd probably have to give up some of them anyways. Because as I said, he, he knows in his mind, himself and Paul George with like Kyle Kuzma and Ingram is not enough to beat Golden State. Or at least I don't think that's enough to beat Golden State. No. Right? So you probably got to bring in Kawhi. And if you got to do that, you're probably going to have to give up one, if not two of Ingram, Lonzo, or Kuzma. Yeah. Right? So I don't know. Super interesting. A great time of year. The NBA Finals is over, but still so much going on in the NBA. And you know what? A lot going on today in Raptorland as well, as we're taping this on Thursday night. And earlier on Thursday, the Toronto Raptors introduced a brand new head coach. But he's really not that new to the sidelines no. or the bench of the Raptors because it's assistant coach Nick Nurse promoted to head coach. Mr. Andrew Webster, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We threw out who we thought should get the gig. We were both wrong. But what do you make of Nick Jay, Nurse? Jay, hey, Jay Wright staying in Villanova. Who knew? <laughs> um. What do I make about Nick Nurse? Bro, honestly, don't know a lot about the guy. Here's what I do know. <laughs> is that the the Raptors got a great deal on hiring him as their head coach. Oh. In terms of money that they're paying him. And money they're saving by not paying Casey. Exactly. Because I think it's, it's an interesting point. that It's interesting that you took that angle, but the end point is kind of where I was going with this too, Webby. So here's what I think happened. Right. I think that Dwayne Casey did want some level of uh, stability. Right. Like he wanted some yeah. like reassurance. Hey, like how about an extension? Like we've had sustained success here for how long? Every I, year we keep getting better. Keep getting better every year. His contract's running out after next year. Who knows when Kyle's going to fall off, when Serge is going to fall off. But whenever that does happen, this whole thing here. Casey did play a huge part in building. And so I don't begrudge him at all for trying to get an extension. But I think what happens is Masai says, we can't give you an, they're not going to give you an extension, right? Like it's a tough sell to say, hey, we keep losing every year to the Cavs and the second round is like our max and we're going to extend our coach. So what I think happened was he let him go now so that there were so many jobs available this offseason. Let him go now when there's a tons, tons of jobs that he could land somewhere else. And you 
end up hiring your assistant coach because in terms of the program that you've been building for the past five years, you're happy where, with where that's at. You're happy about the look that you've, you've got, been given through, from the top down of your franchise. You don't really want to bring in a new guy, right? No, you've got one of the authors of the, uh, what is it, the cultural rebuild, they call Culture it? Culture reset. The cultural reset. So Nick Nurse, obviously one of the authors of that cultural reset, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who's been there for a little while. But for my, for me, it's like, bro, I, I understand not getting rid of Casey, especially – with uh, the security that he was looking for and the pay he was looking for. Mm-hmm. But, man, there like we kind of brought this up when the Raptors got eliminated. It seems a little to me with this team, it's like the inmates running the asylum. Ooh. And the it with the team, it seems like DeMar and Kyle have the most power. Mm. When it comes to I – th- I thought that with Dwayne Casey – uh, as well, I mean, we heard those famous stories that, uh, you know, Demar had to go to Dwayne on behalf of Kyle and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. He was kind of the go between between those between those two personalities. Yeah. Now with Dwayne Casey not there, and you have a assistant coach that's been bumped up, uh, it's going to be even worse. I, I really think that Kyle and Demar are going to be running this team I'm... in terms of. What they want to do and the direction they want to take it on the court. I don't see Nick Nurse really putting his foot down and coming up with uh, amazing set plays or anything like this. Like, it, listen, obviously he's going to be better at set plays than Dwayne Casey, but that's not tough either. But this was a very strange move, almost to placate those two guys. You know what? It's it's one of those things, honestly, Webby, that I think we talked about before. And it's all about what your expectations were. And we tried to tell a a few things, right? And I'm going to pat ourselves on the back here, Webby, because not only did we tell you about, you know, some of these articles that were done by American writers, and they really highlighted Nick Nurse and the role that Nick Nurse played with this culture reset and how he developed this from, you know, the Houston Rockets organization, this whole shooting threes and layups and how that they worked with the in the offseason with the bench mob and got that to work. Not only did we tell you about that when those stories came out earlier on in the regular season, we also told you to manage your expectations, right? And to not listen so much as to what was being spewed out there by not only Raptors brass, but also Raptors media. What I mean by that is if your expectations were championship or bust or you thought that the Raptors were going to beat the Cavs, then you were expecting, oh, if Dwayne Casey's gone, we're going to bring in another coach and another coach is going to get us over the hump. And that's going to be the difference. And it's like, that's not realistic. And, and we, we knew that. We were telling you that. And now that this has played out, this is Masai Ujiri to me, how I'm reading this. This is Masai Ujiri telling you, hey, we are satisfied, not satisfied, but we're okay with where the team is right now. We built this team up from being yeah. a bottom basement organization, not even a respectable franchise in the NBA, where their most the biggest highlight was in a dunk contest, right? Or Vince going right. to his graduation. Other than that, it's been the lottery and mistakes in the lottery, to be honest. And since then, Masai's come in. He's taken them into the playoffs consistently. They've improved every year since Dwayne Casey's been there, for sure. But on top of that, 
it's a process, right? And I, I don't mean to make the joke about the Sixers. We'll get to that later. But, you know, it's about bigger things, right? And it's about making the this franchise sustainable success. And sustainable success for this franchise is not championships yet. You're not there yet. It's about consistently being in the playoffs. It's about consistently building basketball fans that have an understanding of what it's like to cheer for a winning team night in and night out in the regular season. It's about building a culture and building a, a, a setup where you can interchange your players and it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, your structure and the foundation of what you're building is bigger than any one player. And they've been successful in doing that, right? This is a team that made the conference finals in spite of their two best players being arguably their worst players, right? Like, we forget about that. That's a thing that happened. And so when they got rid of Casey and it's like, well, we're just going to promote an assistant. Well, it's the assistant that showed you that his offense works last year, right? Like, we saw that. Now, yep. am I saying Nick Nurse is the answer and he's going to solve all the problems? No, but he's going to maintain the ship. He's going to steer the ship in the same direction that this this boat was already going, which is to sustain success. Stay Stay the course. Stay the course. That's all they're trying to do. Because, again, if they lose to LeBron every year in the second round of the playoffs, they'll tell you they're mad, but they're still going to jack up ticket prices each and every year, right? Yeah. And they can do that as long as they're in the playoffs. And that's something that, for the majority of this franchise's existence, they hadn't been able to say before Masai Ujiri got there. And hiring Nick Nurse... As much as Raptors fans don't want to hear it because fans want to hear we're winning a championship. We're trying to win a championship. And trust me, they are trying to improve each and every year. But what do we say each and every week, Webby? There's levels to this shit. And the Raptors yeah. yet aren't on that championship level yet. You got to get there. You got to start and build the foundation. And they've done that. And this is all a part of that process. And keeping Nick Nurse, someone who's familiar with what you're trying to do and what you're trying to build that's all part of the plan Masai's plan right that I mean and, and you know what I, I I'm mistaken when I said that that Damar and Kyle are the ones holding all the power on this team that's not right you're right it's Masai's team and he's the one holding all the power and I don't want people to get this misconstrued right like I'm not a I'm not a Raptors apologist I'm not trying to defend the move of hiring Nick Nurse because I think that the issues within this team rely with its players. Like, I don't think that they should have re-signed Serge. I don't think that they should have re-signed Kyle Lowry. But I understand why they did that. And they did that because it's a first sign of continued success. And so you want to ride that out and maintain that for as long as you can. And hey, maybe along the way you catch a break. Maybe LeBron gets hurt. Maybe, you know, whatever goes down and you, you get into the NBA Finals. They weren't that far off from that happening, right? Like, And so with that said, this is kind of the exact same thing. Would I have hired, you know, would I have hired Nick Nurse or would I have tried to get a better coach or whatever? I mean, probably, but at the same time, who was his first pick was Budenholzer? Like, I'm pretty sure Raptors fans would have been more mad if they hired Budenholzer as opposed to them hiring Nick Nurse, no? I think that if they had hired Budenholzer, maybe Raptors fans, you're right, would have been upset. But I think the basketball circles would have seen it as a more legit hire and a longer-term solution than what I think Nick Nurse is. 
Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, we don't really know what Nick Nurse is, per se, right? And I mean, there's a pretty cool story that came out today that kind of explained that, you know, for those who don't know, Nick Nurse was coaching in Europe. I think he was coaching in, like, London, England or something for a while. But uh, he was coming back to Iowa, and he got wind that there was a, a, a D-League was coming, right? The NBA Development League was coming. It was about to be a thing. And he was back in Iowa, and he was driving around, and he found out that he saw that there was an arena, and the arena wasn't there yet. I think they had, like, a minor league hockey team or something. So in his head, he was like, you know what? I have a plan. So he was friends with like a lawyer who had like pretty good political corrects or corrects political connects in the area. Right. And who was also a basketball fan. He said, Hey, have you ever thought about bringing a D league team to Des Moines? And the guy's like, that would actually be kind of cool. So (laughs) he had the political connects to get it done. Right. They apply, they get the, the D league team. And then Nick Nurse becomes the coach of said team. He literally created his first coaching job in the quote-unquote NBA. I know it's a D-League, but still, like, that was his coaching gig, his head coaching gig in North America. He literally created that. I think that's just a pretty cool story along the way. But when you add in the other things we talked about on this podcast, you know, that he won the D-League title with the the D-League team that's the affiliate of the Houston Rockets and they really started that whole program that you see now with the Houston Rockets where they're taking threes instead of uh, long twos and the whole yeah. practice thing where corner corner threes are worth four points, mid-range shots are worth zero. It's interesting, you know, and it's it's one thing where Masai talked about thinking outside the box, right, and wanting to be ahead of the curve instead of riding the wave of what else is going on in the NBA. It's super interesting. Now, again, do I think Nick Nurse is coming in and this Raptors team as currently constituted is winning a championship? No. Do I think that they're going to beat LeBron James if the Cavs were still there? Do I think they're beating the Sixers or the Celtics next year? No. But they're sustaining this level of success, which is something that we hadn't seen before in this city. And I understand what they're doing. Do I agree with it? Do I want them to win a championship? Of course. But, so hey. Right now, mm-hmm. as it stands, what are your expectations for the Raptors next year? The same to do the same thing that they did this year. They'll they'll make the playoffs. Games? No, they'll they'll make the playoffs and win around. Make the playoffs and win with, around. I don't. Think, as a Raptor fan, you would be happy if Nick Nurse led the Raptors to the playoffs and won a first round matchup. I'm not saying I'd be happy as a Raptors fan, but I'd be satisfied. Like I wouldn't be mad at that because here's the reality: if you're bringing back this exact same team, which again we'll get to in like a couple seconds, but you know if you're bringing back this exact same team, we've seen what this team can max out at, and that's basically whenever they run into LeBron. So now, even if LeBron's gone, you're talking about a Celtics team that is pretty damn good, a Sixers team that is also pretty damn good, a uh, Milwaukee Bucks team we we assume will get better with better coaching. Like, it's a tough go for the Raptors, right? And I just right. don't know that if, at the end of the day, it's that easy to say, hey, you know, we're just going to make a, a, a few little minor tweaks, and boom, we're in the finals. I don't think it's that easy. I really don't. And if you're Masai Ujiri, there's a couple things here. Oh, actually, I do want to do this, actually, Webby. There's an article written in uh, the Bleacher Report last week, and it had a couple potential trade packages for DeMar DeRozan or Kyle Lowry. 
Now, again, these aren't like rumors that are like, you know, substantiated by like, oh, this is something that's on the table. These are just things that when you go through numbers and try to to see landing spots that might work, you know, for both organizations, if this is something that the Raptors should consider. Again, not a rumor. Nobody's reporting this. These are just potential deals that would work with the old trade machine, right? Hypotheticals, we'll call them. Hypotheticals, indeed. So, Mr. Andrew Webster, let's start with the New York Knicks, okay? The New York Knicks get DeMar DeRozan. The Raptors get Joe Kim Noah, Ron Baker, and Frank Nilakina. So how long does the NOAA contract have left? <laughs> That's a uh, good question. The NOAA contracts, uh, NOAA is owed $37.8 million over the next two seasons. Uh, two seasons. I'll tell you what I do like about it, though, is pairing Ron Baker back up with Fred Van Fleet for <laughs> which toss State action. But no, uh, I'm going to decline that trade because you're bringing on uh, Frank uh, – oh, boy – Frank Nilakina. You're bringing him on, I guess, almost to try and replace, uh, learn from Kyle Lowry, maybe learn a little bit of offense from one of a one of the better offensive point guards in the NBA right now. I will give Kyle Lowry his due for sure. But in doing that, you're losing the best players ever played for your franchise, uh, and you now don't really have a two guard that you can start. Yeah, I don't know how much, and I know there's there's a lot of different things that are going to get floated around over the next few weeks. So, you know, buyer beware in terms of the rumors that you're reading. Grain of salt. Grain yeah, of salt. Take everything with the grain of salt. Exactly. And I would, if if you're choosing which one you would give up, I would rather keep Demar and trade Kyle Lowry. But yeah. if Demar Derozan, but, if I'm trading Demar Derozan, I think I want a little more. I need a little more back. Knicks. Yeah. And I also if, don't know that I want to trade him to the Knicks and still have to play the Knicks. Yeah. You know, very often because that's a division rival as well, right? If if Noah's contract is coming off the books at the end of this season, then maybe that's a little more intriguing because then you're really freeing up a lot of cap room. But to have Noah on your roster for another two years is tough. It's a tough ask. No, definitely, definitely. Uh, let's move on to the next trade here, Webby. And it is the San Antonio Spurs. They would get Ooh. Kyle Lowry for Ooh. the Toronto Raptors receiving the other way. Pal Gasol, Patty Mills, and Deontay Murray. Ooh. Now, I kind of like that. Now, I kind, I definitely like that one a little more than DeRozan. Um, because not only... Are you replacing one for one? Are you bringing in a uh, Patty Mills who's really, honestly, like so underrated, I think. Mm -hmm. Like a a tough dude. Uh, We all know that we love the Aussies here on the On Blast podcast. Um, Patty Mills can play. You're also bringing in a Pau Gasol, a great mentor for a guy like Jonas Valanciunas, somebody who can teach him some of the ways of the old school, as Pau Gasol knows. And Deontay Murray is... One of those Spurs guys, a lot like uh, I really liked Jonathan Simmons two years ago, and I thought he was great for the Magic this year. I don't think they used him enough as they should have, and hopefully you would think that if you did get a Deontay Murray back in that deal, he's a piece that the Raptors could really use in that big, fleshed-out 
uh, rotation that they have as well. It's bringing Deontay Murray from a role that he's used to and putting him into a similar role here with the Raptors. I like that deal. I'm ready to do it. I would do that deal in a second, to be honest, because I think Deontay Murray is young. He's a great defensive player. Uh, Patty Mills gives you still that some of that three-point shooting and scoring that Lowry would give you. And Paul Gasol also kind is of, a vet. He's given you, I mean, you're not getting much from from Paul Gasol at this stage of his career. No, but and honestly, he's more like an he's more like an assistant coach at this point. Somebody that you sit next to you you tell Jonas Valanciunas sit next to him on a flight. Yep, yep. Just keep your ears open, keep a pad and pen, and learn from Paul Gasol. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, next up, this one got a little headway early on, but. Would you trade to the Minnesota Timberwolves, DeMar DeRozan, for Andrew Wiggins? No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. You said that very calm and cool. Yeah. Very calm and cool. Yeah. Like, <sighs> Wiggins is funny, man. Like, I think that we know what Wiggins is. Hmm. Okay. I think he's hovering around 20 points a game. Somebody who won't take the big shots all the time. The, 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 he's the third best player on a team. Yeah. On a legit contending team, he's the third, maybe the fourth best player. Yeah. No, that's super interesting. That's super interesting. Um, I, For me to make that trade, I would have to know something is up with DeMar. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like inside info that I don't have, but someone like Masai Jiri would have to know that, right. you know what? I don't think that DeMar is getting much better than this. And I really need to change something within this locker room to like shake things up. So let me bring in Wiggins and take a chance. You know, I'd have to know also- a little something, but from what we do know of DeMar DeRozan, that like he's continued to improve each and every year. He's a pretty good guy. He's a, He's a pretty low maintenance superstar or yeah. star in terms of how the NBA is. You know, I would keep Demar Derozan and 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 keep what I know about Demar Derozan as opposed to trading him for a younger Andrew Wiggins that might not ever turn into what Demar Derozan is. Not only that, but you're kind of setting Wiggins behind the eight ball a bit mm-hmm. because he's going to be looked at to come in here and be the savior to pick up a mantle that uh, uh, Demar Derozan threw down. I mean, in this hypothetical trade that we're making. <laughs> yes. But the problem is, is that Wiggins doesn't have the offensive skill that DeMar DeRozan has. And then to bring him in and the first few crappy games that he has, you know, the comparisons are going to start. Well, Wiggins will never be as good as DeMar DeRozan was. Yeah. Then the home crowd starts to get on him, acts a little tougher towards him because he is a local guy. And then you've got a bad situation for Wiggins. I think for a guy like Wiggins, he really has to be in the perfect situation where the talent around him is fostered for his skills. Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. I wonder how that's going to play out for Wiggins in Minnesota. I just don't know that bringing him to Toronto is the move. But, hey, that's why we have fun, fake, made-up trades, right? Um, They were three good ones. uh, One more, though. And this is the one that I would really be into if I'm the Raptors. Trading Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat for Goran Dragic and Kelly Olenek. I do like Dragic. 
Uh, it's just like, so what? what? I don't know how much better the Raptors are after on that trade, but I'm banking on the fact that Kyle Lowry will decline a little more next year and Dragic is still at the same level, right? So Lowry is better than, he's a better player than Dragic for sure. He's also getting Kelly. Yeah. But where are you going to play Kelly? You can play Kelly, man. You can play Kelly with Siakam. Yeah. And what, backup center? Sure. Sure. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. It's good because it's like uh, he's like Tyler Hansborough 2.0 for the Raps. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't know if I would do it if I was the Raps though. Super interesting and always fun to go through trades. So if you're listening to this, hit us up. Let us know what you think of some of these trades that we just made up, and you know, or that we uh, co-signed here from the Bleacher Report. Am I wrong? A Am I wrong there. to not love Wiggins? No, I don't think you're wrong for that. Okay. I don't think you're wrong for that I don't want to be seen as anti-Canadian. No, 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 no. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, even if you get into the Canada basketball side of things where Wiggins isn't playing this summer. But, you know, there's talk as to why that is. And, I mean, it's just not a good scenario. It's not a good look for a guy when every other NBA dude is like making going out of their way to play for Canada, right? Including guys like Tristan, who's been in the NBA Finals the past what four years in a yeah. row, and he's is Murray playing well. for Team Canada. Jamal Murray, yeah, I'm pretty sure Jamal Murray is playing. Um, but yeah, I don't know Wiggins. I don't know. He he needs to find something. I don't know if it's you know get a different coach. I don't know if it's a different situation. Just something up, or maybe this is just what he is. Someone with immense talent and athleticism, but just doesn't really get to that full potential that other people place on him. Doesn't have every piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, So, Webby, one last thing I'd like to get your opinion on here. Yeah. Because there was a resolution to your Sixers drama that was going on with Brian Colangelo. Wild. He is no more. Brian Colangelo is no more with the Philadelphia 76ers. What do you make of this situation as a Sixers fan? Well, you know what? I'm surprised it took that long for the team. And honestly, I think it might end up hurting the Sixers, especially in the LeBron sweepstakes, to not have a general manager uh, for in time for the draft. Yeah. And I think that if they had dealt with the situation with Colangelo right away, as soon as the story dropped and said, listen, this is not a detraction we want involved with our team – we're going to move on from Brian right now. Uh, we wish him well in his future endeavors. I think that would have been a way smarter move than dragging this out and almost having it tried in the court of public opinion uh, for, a, what was it, a week and a half, two weeks? Something like that. Yeah, it wasn't a good look at all how long this and it, thing took. It, and, and then for, for all the sordid details to kind of come out about – and the Colangelo statement almost throwing his wife Bonnie under the bus – with that, I thought it was all very strange and very avoidable. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was something that every Philly fan knew was going to happen as soon as the story came out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a little shocked that it took this long. Yeah, I mean, it's something I feel like they had to do, especially with this big offseason coming up for their organization. And, you know, Brett Brown's going to take over until they hire a yep. GM. There's talk of, you know, should they get David Griffin? who obviously LeBron is a fan of, would that help their LeBron chances? I don't know. I just think this uncertainty, now is not the time, let's say. 
now is definitely not the time to have this uncertainty in that organization coming off like their first very successful year after tanking for that long. It's just not a good I mean, look. And they had to get really, rid of Colangelo. They had no choice. I mean, what if the Spurs call you yeah. on the night of draft day mm-hmm. and say, hey, we want Saric, your pick, and XYZ for Kawhi? Yeah. No, it's, it's... You know, like, I, I listen, Brett Brown, I think that, you know, I thought that he's done a wonderful job coaching. I thought he got his the pants coached off of him against Brad Stevens in that series. But I, I don't know about his, you know, roster management credentials. Yeah. Unless yeah. there's somebody behind the scenes that's kind of helping out that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. But I would want somebody who knows how to pull a trigger on a big-time deal and – especially in time for draft night. I mean, shoot, what if, like I say, what if the Spurs come calling? You don't want to get fleeced. I mean, sure, you want Kawhi, but ooh, a little scary. Yeah, I don't know. A little scary for sure. A lot of Lots going on there. The NBA season is picking up for sure. Heading into draft time, we'll be back to next week to discuss the NBA draft and everything else with the NBA offseason as the real crazy period will pick up as so many big names are involved. And yeah, we'll be here to talk about it for sure. And we wrap up every week as we do with the Ask on Blast segment. And last time around, we were talking a little Drake and Pusha T. And since our last conversation, Webby, Drake has been told to not respond to Pusha T. (laughs) And now he's saying After saying that he had... A, 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 a diss track recorded that would end Pusha T's career, apparently, allegedly. Yes, allegedly, yes. And now Drake has also released a new music video for his song, I'm Upset, in which he goes back to his high school reunion at Degrassi with the entire cast from the Degrassi series. Does he roll up in a wheelchair? He does not. Oh. But, I mean... To me, it kind of makes sense that he would do this because, you know, put the Pusha T stuff aside because that's not really your lane and get back to the making money and the album times and like the the happy-go-lucky Drake. The that, summer songs. Yeah, the summer songs. The I'm going to do a music video with Degrassi because people would make fun of me for being on Degrassi, but I'm going to flip this and make this into something good and funny and positive. That's what Drake does. Yes. Not the beefing with Pusha T. No, Mind that's you, not smart. I am straight team push because Pusha T is a problem. I've always read cool. Pusha T. He definitely won this little rap battle beef. And yeah, I will say Any this chance? to the millennials. I'll say this to the millennials that want to get mad at Pusha T or whatever. You are allowed to say that you think Drake is good at making pop songs and that Pusha T won this beef, and is a great rapper. You're allowed to say both things. Both things yeah. are allowed to be true. Can be true. <laughs> both things can be true. Yes. Now, staying on the rap uh, tip as well, we did this uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where, do we do it on the On Blast podcast about the uh, XXL freshman class? No, I, I have no takes on that at all. I have no We're takes have on Takashi. To... No, no, no. I, I'll... Hey. I'll have We're gonna to have like, to do it again. We're gonna have to do it again. I'll, I'll, I'll the, take the freshman a... class. Freshman class was just announced. Okay. 
when they do the cipher video that they come out with uh, in a week or two, mm-hmm. I will I will send it to you on social media. We'll both take a listen, and we'll we'll both give our uh, our opinions on the XXL freshman class of 2018. Okay, all right, that's a deal. Uh, we'll also take a listen because we are an hour away from a oh, new Nas album. And people are under a bridge in Queensboro in Queensboro right now. <laughs> Queensbridge, uh, say Queensbridge. They are eagerly awaiting the Nas album, as am I. It's going to be in my, on my Spotify when I wake up, like a fresh bun in the oven. All I'm hoping for is, please, Kanye, don't mess this up. Like, if you told me pre, you know, this Trumpian Kanye stuff, you know, if you told me that Kanye and Nas were doing an album, I'd be so excited right now. And I am excited. But I will lie. I won't lie. There's part of me that's kind of nervous because I'm just like, I'm, please, listen. Kanye, give me the normal Kanye. Give me the old Kanye, <laughs> right? No, mark me, mark me down for some one of the people who loves Ye. Yeah, I I really think Ghost Town is one of his all time great. Songs. Oh, this album. Oh, you love this yeah. album. Yeah, I really do. Wow, I, really I do. thought outside, it was okay. I thought it was outside okay. of the. I'm not a huge of the fan. First song. The first track, the uh, you know, I love myself and I think about killing myself all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird, mm-hmm. but the rest, I think, the rest of the album is just that has some unbelievable. I, I, I'm telling you, man, Ghost Town and Waves are two of his best songs, and they come off his last two albums. Okay, you know what? Let's next week we'll talk more Kanye, we'll talk more mm-hmm. Nas, and of course we'll talk more NBA. How about that? Absolutely, that's what we do. Uh, if you need to get at Mr. Andrew Webster, where can the people find you, Webby? At Twitter, at a Webster eighty four on Instagram, at a Webster eighty four. Holla at your boy. And you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. And until next time, this is the Ball on Blast podcast, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next week, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Ball on Blast.